1: Welcome to New Books in Children's Literature. I'm host Susan Robb, and today we're talking with author Debbie Levy about her new book about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which is entitled I Dissent, Ruth Bader Ginsburg Makes Her Mark. It's published by Simon & Schuster, illustrated by Elizabeth Badley, and um, it's a very interesting book, both topically, something that... Uh, is an interesting, maybe unusual topic, the Supreme Court and all of that for children, Um, but certainly someone that uh, we can all admire for um, her work and how she got to the Supreme Court. Uh, And the point, I think, what I took away from the book is how much Ruth Bader Ginsburg was willing to... uh, as this book says, dissent, disagree, resist. She was very determined. Uh, Her own family background uh, really contributed to a lot of who she became, I guess, as everyone does. Um, But she had some very interesting background. And also just she broke so many rules, if you will, of what it was like for women in the 1950s and forward. So uh, Debbie, thanks for joining me. First, let me ask you about why you first decided to do a book on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh,
0: Thanks for having me, Susan. I'm happy to talk about this book. I loved writing this book. Um, And, well, why to write a book about Ruth Bader Ginsburg kind of came out in your introduction. Uh, She's a great role model for girls and boys. Um, and the role model is not only, or the point is not only to show through her life that disagreeing doesn't make you disagreeable, uh, that you can disagree in a way that is productive and moves things forward and helps not only yourself, but also others. Um, And so there's that whole component that whole example of here's how you disagree and here's why you disagree and then there's the story of how as you said she broke through so many barriers and so the the theme there although these things aren't explicit in the book obviously because they're the book wants to tell a good story about her life but the theme there is that it's kind of try 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 again try harder um Try not to be discouraged. If you want to go after something, go after it with your whole heart. She did. Uh, so, you know, how could I not want to write a children's book about her? And, and I'll, I'll say one other thing in that vein, we, and by we, I mean my, uh, the editor at Simon & Schuster, whom I worked with and my agent, we were kind of shocked when we sort of looked up and said, wait, there's no picture book about Ruth Bader Ginsburg.
1: Interesting. It's interesting what, you know, I want to, go more on to things about her, obviously. But but I thought it was interesting, too, that it ties in in certain ways with other social topics and historical topics that you've covered. Um, the book We Shall Overcome and then also A Year of Goodbyes, which is about 1938, yes. and that's your mother's story. So so tell me a little bit about how you see it fitting into your body of work.
0: I I, I think um i think it fits in to this this theme i seem to keep re- returning to of uh, this is what it feels like to be an outsider and um or an other and this doesn't have to stop you so we shall overcome is the story of the song we shall overcome and it 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 tells how It's not a song that somebody just sat down and wrote, but it evolved year over year, voices over voices like a patchwork from um, all the way back from slavery times. Uh, And that's about how people sang both to lift themselves up, but also to singing, I think, and this is in in that book, shows your, your humanity. And so I think we can all agree that enslaved people and African-Americans were and in some quarters still are uh, viewed as the other um, as and are outsiders in some quarters. And, um, and, you know, the point of the book is there's always more than one point to a book, not only to tell the story of the song We Shall Overcome, but to show people uh, fighting, well, with their brains is how I put it when I go into schools, fighting with their brains to better their own lives, um, which also happens usually to better the lives of, of others. Then there's the year of goodbyes, um, which is the story of my mother's last year in Germany, 1938, before she and her family, uh, in a dramatic escape, got out and were able to become refugees to this country. There's There are, obviously, there are the outsiders again. Um, and something in that book that... That I, I think, and and, uh, and hope that readers get is comes from my use in that book of my mother's poesy album, which is a it just translates as, as poetry album. It's it was a European version of Americans autograph albums, but much more much more serious. And so in that book, every chapter starts with uh, an entry in my mother's poesy album every chapter starts with an entry in my mother's poesy album written by one of her friends. These are like 11 or 12 year old friends and some of her family members. Um, And it's very poignant. And these um, entries really do carry that story forward. And kids who read the book, I think, know uh, that and that these were albums that were written by all kids, not just Jewish kids in Germany. And not just in Germany, they were this was an activity done by all kids in in Europe at the time. So here are these outsider kids, Jews who by nineteen thirty eight as you know, were subject to terrible discrimination and violence and were lucky. My parent my mother and her family were lucky to get out. Um, but the thought is, these are outsiders and discriminated against and yet so participating in the life of their country. So those are two books about outsiders or the other. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg now is not an outsider. I don't think anybody would say that, but look how how she started out. Her parents, they they were refugee. Well, I'm sorry, immigrant uh, families, not refugees. They were immigrants. They lived in a community full of immigrants in Brooklyn. Um, uh, The book has one uh, scene where she's experiencing, witnessing, witnessing, what this outsiderness, this um, um, discrimination against the other is is like, and so that shaped her. Um, that's the theme that uh, that I, I seem to keep coming back to. It was also present, actually, I'm just thinking. I'm looking at a bookshelf, I'm thinking of other books. Um, I did a biography some years ago for for the high school reader, I would think. About Richard Wright, the African American writer Richard Wright, another outsider. Hmm. Um, my young adult novel, Imperfect Spiral, again about a, an outsider. I think maybe I need to find a new a new theme.
1: <laughs> it seems to be working, <laughs> to be to actually. Yeah,
0: because <laughs>
1: that was what I was going to ask you: is was it hard sell to get this one published? But maybe not.
0: Was it uh, to I dissent. Yeah. No, it was a partnership from the beginning with Simon and Schuster.
1: Now, did you um, know they, they
0: wanted a, a picture book about Ruth Bader Ginsburg? This editor did, um, Kristen Ostby, and and so the the challenge really, although it came pretty quickly, was what should my theme be? How should I approach it? I didn't want to just do, you know, for a children's picture book, you don't you you I think rarely want to just do. Uh, She was born, and then this happened, and that happened, and that happened, and now she's old. You don't want to do that. You want to find a way in. Um, And uh, very, very quickly, once I started really digging into her life, this theme of disagreeing and disagreeing disagreeably and in a way that, that makes things happen emerged.
1: Now, did you know then in the beginning, it sounds like you did, what age group it would be for?
0: Well, you know, we... We think about the picture book age group. Um, I think of it as for I think the real sweet spot for this is eight is grades three to five. Um, I know people will buy it, and I'm happy they are for for younger children. And I just read this great uh, blog review about a mom who who's, who said that her son saw it and he said, you know, I want you to read this book to me, and he was. He might even have been preschool, or at least he was very young. Um, and I've heard a couple of other things like that, very young children. And, you know, they can get it on some level, for sure. Little kids can get, I dissent once you tell them what it means. <laughs> like, it's just like, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, and so it's an opportunity to talk about using no for good, <laughs> both for yourself and, and for others.
1: Now, what comes across, and you've talked about it a little bit here, but very, very strongly, is what a pioneer she was. Uh, it almost seems like everything about her as a litigator, as a woman judge, um, only the second woman on the Supreme Court, first Jewish woman justice. Um, right. And uh, certainly as an advocate for women, and you you see that just in terms of the things she has to do to run the logistics of her life. What do you think about her background or her personality that particularly uh, helped shape who she became?
0: Well, she credits her mother, um, you know, from the book that she lost her mother when she, Ruth, was only 17 years old, right on the eve of her high school graduation, which she then did not attend. Uh, Her mother died of cancer very young. and, And I mean, she has said, Um, many times over that her mother was independent and encouraged her to be independent and to think that she could do what she wanted. Um, And she's come back to this crediting of her mother over and over again in the course of her life. there's There's a very poignant moment at the end of her speech, well, her talk in the white house rose garden back in 1993 when president bill clinton uh, announced her nomination for the court and you think she's done and then she know she's not done she's going to add one more thing which is to talk about her mother mm. um yesterday i saw uh an interview that she did with katie couric of yahoo news and there she was bringing in her mother again and her mother encouraging her. It's it's always about that. So um I mean our parents do shape us and even all these years later she still feels the imprint of her mother. Now to me that's particularly endearing and strikes me as as just so so true and honest.
1: So in in a way the uh, sort of a lifelong tribute, if you would, uh, from her yeah.
0: to her mom. We yeah. didn't get to see any of this. Yeah. No. Yeah. So to, 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 I could I could answer more. Uh, I could offer more in response to that question, which is which is just to say what what wasn't and and still isn't part of her personality um, is is volume (laughs) i mean, sometimes you think well to make it i mean a woman especially back in in those days uh, and even today she would have to be super assertive which we would then think is is you know loud and uh and brassy and in my opinion if you're loud and brassy that is just fine i think we ought to be allowed to be however we are Uh, it just happens that that's not what rbg was or is you know, I've sometimes if you're listening to an interview with her or or even reading articles about her, what you what comes across over and over again is that people are you kind of have to have to lean in to hear her. She's so soft spoken. Um, but you know what? We lean in because most of the time she has something to say that we want to hear.
1: Yeah, the uh, I mean, you you do get some of that even in the book where where you can see how she might approach some of these different issues. Just, it seems like sort of strong, but determined and, you know, very, very persistent.
0: Yes, (laughs) she, she is. And she, she was persistent. She also, um, and I, I'm not sure how much of a point this is for children, but it certainly is for for the adult reader. She she uh, credits her her husband, uh, Marty Ginsburg, uh, who was really a man ahead of his time, um, for um, encouraging her, supporting her. I don't mean uh, I don't mean supporting her as as in terms of of, of money, but supporting her ambitions um and sharing childcare and doing the cooking and her point and i think the point is not that well you know you need a good spouse in order to succeed it's just that it is hel- i think the point is more like it is helpful to have partners people in your life who lift you up you know who who believe in you too it could be your parents you know Um, In her case, it really was her husband.
1: And what's striking when you look at the different aspects of that relationship that that you're able to portray in the book, what what particularly comes out is, you know, really is an egalitarian, uh, egalitarian relationship way, as you said, ahead of its time. But also it's so fitting because that's what she was fighting for all the way.
0: Yeah, isn't that isn't that a great uh what what should we call it? Mirror parallel. It's a great it's a great thing that you're right. She's fighting for that and uh and she's got it in in um in the person that she made her life with. Now, what aspects of her
1: life do you find resonates most with kids you talk to?
0: Oh. I would say the disagreeing. Um the uh finding that somebody uh is is telling you you uh can't do something and and you you disagree with that uh and you find ways to not to get around it but either to convince them or to make your way anyway Um, so you know if you if you uh, I I did a hypothetical last week with a large group of kids and um, it was after you know I discussed the book and and then um, the hypothetical was you know think about what do you like to do when you come home from school and these were these were third and fourth graders and Pretty much everybody said uh, what do you like to do to chill out not when you come home from school what do you like to do to chill out and everybody says like watch some tv play video games somebody said play educational games on their computer so that you know we should think (laughs) we should think that it's okay (laughs) and then i said well then when you come home from school uh, you know i might make the rule you can do those things to chill but first you have to do all your homework you know, who, dis- who agrees with me? And maybe one person agreed with me because everybody, all the other kids said, well, no, I don't agree with you. I mean, I want I to chill out first and then do my homework. And then we went through a process where they made their arguments. It was really fun because I felt like we were no longer, you know, we weren't talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg so much anymore. We were talking about almost practicing to be an advocate. You can't just say because. And, and of course, they didn't. They're good at this. When you when you give them the space to, they're good at making their arguments. You know, like, oh well, I'm going to be refreshed if I if I get to uh, watch television first. Um, uh, you 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 have stress at school and you feel like your head's going to explode. Somebody said so. Um, you know, I need to just relax for a while. And so I think this idea of uh, how do we advocate and. The, in the beginning for ourselves, how do we advocate for ourselves uh resonates for kids. And and it's also it's just fun to do.
1: Right. Well that's the fine art of growing up and making your place and all of that. It's a it's a skill I could see that that everybody would be attracted to that you know Yeah. At that yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Well and then you hope to channel it in not just advocating for yourself, but you know Ruth Bader Ginsburg also advocated for others. I mean, she, that's what she did when she was a lawyer. She, she wasn't really so much fighting for herself when she went to court on behalf of people. She was advocating for people who were stuck because of, uh, you know, unfair rules or, or laws or policies.
1: Did you find that kids were also attracted to learning about law and the court's themselves I mean do they know a lot about that did they want to know more?
0: (laughs) the book has only been out for uh, three weeks so I don't have too much experience bringing it to kids yet but in this group it was about 150 kids last week but I have to tell you it was here in Washington DC so when I asked at some point early on does anybody here know any lawyers Well, everybody's hand went up. And I said, does anybody here know any women's lawyers? Because, you know, my point is that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was this pioneer as a woman lawyer. Well, everybody's hand stayed up because my mother's a lawyer, I heard. And, you know, my mother's a lawyer. So uh, there's. I don't know if Washington, D.C., which has a lot of lawyers, um, is representative. But it's what I've seen so far. I think kids are i think it is interesting to learn about law if you especially if you can present it in an interesting way it might not be as interesting to them to learn about you know civil procedure or contract law but when you're talking about what litigators do advocating you know standing up for yourself or standing up for somebody else or just um i think it's really interesting
1: Now, one question back to Ruth Bader Ginsburg that I was curious about. Was there something that surprised you the most about her? Well,
0: that's a good question. Um, I, I think that... Well, surprise is, is not going to be quite the right the right word here because, you know, I'm an adult, I keep up on the news. Uh, and as a former lawyer, I, I like to keep up on the Supreme Court. So I knew that she and Antonin Scalia got along. Um, but I only really knew it kind of from a distance. But it was surprising to me to learn that they were really best friends and as you know they're about as and I should say they were since he died in February as Mm. opposite on the spectrum of legal um, principles uh, and and Supreme Court decision-making as you could be Um, so I was surprised and, and and really kind of thrilled to learn about how their friendship worked and prospered uh, and how, in a way, their, their legal antagonism, not quite the w- right word, because, because but I use it only in the sense of their legal opposition to one another, they both said, and she emphasizes still, helped them because they would... Um, they would talk to one another, imagine this, talk to one another about their differences in ways where they could really hear one another. And Justice Ginsburg has said repeatedly that this helped her make her case, well, not her case, since she's the justice, made made her opinion, if she was writing an opinion, as good as it possibly could be, because she knew what was on the other side and he did too i mean i'm sure it helped him as well and then as the book shows you know outside of court they and their families were the best of friends um and so the 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 depth and the the sincerity the realness of that friendship it wasn't just uh oh we're oh sure we're friends we're collegial it was much more than that it, it did surprise me. I, I, I don't, because, I mean, does that sound easy? Somebody who, who you think has wrong ideas about law and not just bloodless law, but, you know, um, the law as it applies to uh, important and even emotional issues. You're, you're at odds with that person on pretty much everything, but you're, you're close, close friends. Um, it's fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, that was actually something that I hadn't been aware of, and I found that really interesting in the book, too. Yeah. So following on from that, in you mentioned that um, Antonin Scalia had died earlier this year, and we're currently in an um, unbelievably fractious election year. So What's the most important thing if you were to say something that you feel passionately about, what's, what's the most important thing that you name that we can teach our children?
0: There are, (laughs) there are a lot of ways to say this. (laughs) So I'm going to, I can, I think I can say it in a way that, that, that won't um, turn anybody off, I hope, but it seems to me just, Listen, watching what's happening in our election and coming off of uh, learning as much as I could about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, observing as much as I could, Um, I, I, I want our kids, I want us to be good at, better at engaging with, engaging with ideas without engaging with and on ideas and disagreeing with each other without attacking, um, without attacking the other person. It, you know, I'm, I'm listening to myself as I say this, and it sounds like, why am I struggling to say this? It's, it's not, it's not a hard concept, but, um, I'm, I'm struggling, I think, because as I'm speaking, a lot of images are going through my mind of, um, of adults who are attacking in, in ways that are not only personal, they're ad hominem, they're, they're, they make the devil out of the other person uh it's also it's also not always but too much in this particular election season um, hyped up and full of exaggeration and full of personal attacks, so that real issues the stuff that we actually care about I think get get lost, and this is not far afield from uh, what I what my book is about and what I hope kids and the adults who read the book with kids get out of it, which is that there is a way to engage. There is a way to disagree where you can actually hear each other, listen to each other, um, think about what you're saying before you say it. Uh, uh, don't assume... This actually, I, I should have led with what I'm about to say. Don't assume bad faith on the part of the other person. I think that's a really big thing that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has modeled, which is not assuming that the person who opposes you, um, well, first of all, don't assume that they're the worst person on earth, but also don't assume that they come from a place of bad motives. Um Oh, there's just just great example when she was talking about the Supreme Court of the 1960s. This is the Earl Warren Court, and this is a court that brought us great advances in civil rights, um, the Brown versus Board decision, for example, mm-hmm. ending school des- desegregation. But they were they had such a blind spot this court on gender equality on women's rights. They thought, she pointed out, that what do you mean, women's rights? We're good fathers and and we're good husbands. And so that women can't be on juries. Did you know that women, even as late as the late 1970s, Susan, were uh, excluded from juries in some jurisdictions? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, me neither. <laughs> so um, she... She would she understood this that they that they thought that they were good fathers they weren't in and, and good husbands they weren't out to just squash women they thought they had good motives she disagreed with the motives but she didn't think that they were just jerks you know she thought that they were uh thinking people uh and and she proceeded accordingly and 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 actually that was one of the or the last uh, case in the Supreme Court that she argued was a, a, a case um, that ultimately overturned a uh, a state rule that that said women could be excluded from juries because they're women. Hmm. I may have gone a little far far afield on answering that question, Susan. But thanks for listening.
1: <laughs> no, I, I I don't think so at all. I mean, I, I think. This is a very um, germane question, uh, particularly now. But I think it's important to talk about, you know, what are our hopes for kids and and the things that they'll learn, and what are we modeling, and all those things that yeah. happen every yeah. day. It's in our it's in our homes, in our schools, and in every place we are. And now we're, you know, everything is so public, and and news and all of the rest of it is everywhere. So, you know, it's, uh, it's something that, you know, there's sort of no outside our kids domain at either, uh, yeah. which, which I wanted to ask you too, about what your uh, hopes were with adults and because adults will be looking at this as well uh, and kids about what they'll taken away from it about history and about civics. So, you know, we sometimes touch on civic engagement, but I guess uh, probably that that can always bear more talking about.
0: Well, I I think that the book, mostly through its illustrations, I think, really makes civic engagement and doing things using your brain exciting. Um, I'd like to credit the text, but uh, I think, in some ways the 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 design of the book and the illustrations and the cover kind of call out to kids almost almost by making almost by having a a superhero type of vibe um, and I love that about what elizabeth elizabeth Badley, the illustrator I love that about what she did and about the way the book was designed you know there's all these sort of exaggerated um Big words, um, uh, where I'm, where I, I use the the word descent and all those different synonyms that you started out with that are sprinkled throughout the book. They're all done in this great balloony, colorful um, hand lettering that Elizabeth's so good at. Um, but and also the, I mean, not to get too in the weeds about it, but the color scheme for the book, you know this. This deep blue cover—I um, don't know—kind of reminds me of Superman. So, in a way, well, I, I was delighted with the, the design and the illustrations. And I'm sure you know that we authors generally have little to do with any of that. Mm-hmm. I was delighted with how, with what Elizabeth and the, and the art director and the editor, what they came up with, because um, I, I, I think it, it, it sort of says this is fun this reading about the Supreme Court justice is going to be fun uh, and doing the sorts of things that she did um, though, you know, she didn't scale any tall buildings, but um, look, read it. It's fun. So I like that. I like that vibe in the book. Yeah. it and is. I, can't, I can take no credit for it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it is. It's, and it is, it's very appealing. All of that. I can see where you could pull that out as a, as superhero because it doesn't have all that, Kind of the way the text portrays and all that is, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, the, the pictures kind of, too. I think, yeah, which is fitting, I guess, with what we're saying about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, sort of the pow <laughs> and the wow and the, all those. things. Yes.
0: right, pow and wow, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so then what the, we're for um, sort of leading into to uh, ending with uh, what you're working on. Next, where do you go from here?
0: Oh, well, I actually have another book coming out in February, Uh, very different from this. And you know that just as we authors have almost no control over uh, design and art, uh, but thankfully it usually comes out beautifully, we also have a little control about when our books come out. So um, I'm thrilled about my next book coming out. I didn't expect it would be coming out so soon after this one, but I think I can handle two at a time. It's called Soldier Song, and it's a it's another piece of it's another nonfiction work. Uh, it's a true story of the Civil War, and it's the story about how music, in particular, a song, <laughs> um, brought a particular song brought uh, the Army of the North and the Army of the South together for at least one night. Um, in the winter after the Battle of Fredericksburg. So we're talking about December of 1862. Um, I, I I could go on about it, but um, that's that's basically what the book is about. And the thrilling thing for me about this book is that it's an 80-page picture book. <laughs> and, you know, picture books are 32 pages, they're mm. 40 pages – um but uh, this one which is published by disney hyperion the the editor really went to bat for me because i would never dare uh, to propose making a picture book that long Um, but it was really her idea to to spread it out over more pages so that we could have more art but also so that we could have lots and lots of primary sources so there are pages where i've got excerpts from soldiers memoirs and diaries and letters um talking about both the battle but also the event which is at the center of of the book this 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 concert that went on when the two sides were in winter camp on either side of the rappahannock river that that winter It's 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 kind of like if you know or if your listeners know the books about the Christmas truce in World War Mm One, when the soldiers came out of the trenches and had a a brief a brief truce and just had fellowship among soldiers. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is like the American version of that, Um, right? A moment. Brought on by really at the time one of the most famous and beloved songs uh, of 1862, um, "Home Sweet Home," which we now think of as this treacly, oversweet song, but it was it was um, it was very popular and meaningful to the soldiers. So that's coming out in February. I'm working on uh, another book for slightly older kids um, about another. Path-breaking woman whom you've never heard of. (laughs) (laughs) She's not famous, and who was involved in a in a in a really interesting um, milestone in the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. So, but that I'm still I'm still writing on. It's got a ways to go.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that uh, that was something we were working on recently, both with primary source documents, a book like that, but also in untold story of the civil Mm -hmm. rights movement and you know there are so many um, stories that can be brought to light and that you you sort of think well how was this not known and yet um it's easy for for stories to fall by the wayside because only certain names seem to carry into another generation or whatever
0: well that's right there are so many stories that we don't know that were huge in their time. I mean, think of Seabiscuit, mm-hmm. that book and then that movie, which yeah, was great. if you lived at the time, of course you knew about it. But we didn't know about it until uh, Laura Helen wrote that book. Right. Yeah.
1: So, well, uh, so I guess what we're, one takeaway here is that we're hoping that from looking at this book, that kids will learn to what it means anyway to fight with your brain and uh and hopefully understand a little bit more about the court and, and and also what kinds of things can be possible how you can um disagree and and fight for something and and fighting doesn't have to mean that it's ugly
0: i concur with all of those takeaways <laughs> I, <did>. I concur <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i can't That's okay. stop talking and, uh, Court justice speak. I thought you were already
1: on to the next book and having to write in different language. I thought it was all musical now. <laughs> so, it's going to be hard. <laughs> so, Debbie, tell me your website. Where can people go to find out more about the book?
0: and um, and They that. can go yeah. to, it's debbielevybooks.com. debbielevybooks.com. And
1: it's probably if you put in
0: Debbie Levy, it'll come up.
1: Yeah, D E B B
0: I E L E V. D E B B I E L E V, like Victor, Y. Great.
1: Uh, Okay, well, Debbie, thank you so much. This has been great. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. uh, Thanks for your interest. Yeah, look forward to talking again. Thank you. Thanks, Susan.